ElectroCast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What's going on, everybody? Let's go ahead and jump into it. You got to give a lot just to get what you need sometimes, y'all. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? Welcome to another great episode of Ringside with Ray and Prince. Today, we got a special guest for you. If you don't know, you need to know. What do they always say in New Orleans? Who that? Who that? Who that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you need to know who that is. Super Bowl champion. He caught that two-point conversion you know, to send his team to that ultimate win and get the ring as Aaron Donald put up the ring finger and just let them know, hey, we solidified the championship. His name is Lance Moore. Lance, how you doing today, big dog? Doing excellent, man. Now that now that football is back in full effect, like I feel like my 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 world is a little more complete, right? You have the whole offseason, there's all this build-up to football season, and people are asking questions about who's gonna be good, new players on new teams, like what is going to end up happening? Well, all those questions are done now. We're talking actual football. There's games being played. And I'm, I'm just looking forward to a great 2023 as as every season is. I, I feel like this one is going to be exciting. And and I don't think we're, we're really even aware of all the things that are going to happen. It's only been one week and there's already been some crazy things that have happened in the NFL. So, you know, I, I, like, they, they, like they say, buckle, buckle your seatbelts because it's going to be it's going to be a good one. Already the drama is happening. We have, you know, crazy things happen this season. Everybody starts off the whole year, like, in the NFL that, oh, your team has a chance to win it all. And then we get humbled as the season goes along. They always talk about my team, you know, um, so I get excited. Ray, who is your team? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> Ray loves the Dallas Cowboys. He's a diehard fan. Lance, he played for the Saints. He played – you play for any other teams, Lance? Yeah, so I started in Cleveland. I, I never played any regular season games with Cleveland, but then I did nine years in New Orleans with the Saints. I did one year in Pittsburgh with the Steelers, one year in Detroit with the Lions, and then I did you know a, a quick little two or three day bid with the Falcons before I retired. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and jump into it, man. Like, what was that pathway like? Let's start from your inception, man. How was your high school career? And then how did you end up going to college? So when I went to high school, ninth grade, I was five foot, 95 pounds. So I was like a peanut. Like I was always small growing up. I was one of the smallest kids in my class or in my grade every single year going into high school. And then, I mean, obviously in high school wasn't any different because I was smaller than most of the girls. And, you know, I grew up in the dojo. 
right? My dad is a 10th degree black belt. He's had a dojo for now over 45 years. So I grew up with the discipline, the focus, the concentration of having a sensei or a master as my father, both in the dojo and at home. So I think that that's something that was, you know, kind of instilled in me early on as far as what one of the things that was going to help propel me to being, you know, successful as a football player throughout my career. So the the size factor where it would be an issue for a lot of people, it was never an issue for me. Obviously, I, I had been small forever, but I had this unique work ethic that was kind of instilled in me from, you know, by both of my parents. But I never looked at it as as a disadvantage. It was almost my advantage because I felt like people would underestimate me or think that I can't do certain things because I am smaller. It definitely motivated me to move a different way or to to work a little bit harder because of you know the the uh, visual effect. Oh, he's little. We're gonna pick him last, or he's little. He can't do X, Y, and Z. So going to high school, my expectation wasn't. Oh, I'm gonna go to to the NFL, my expectation was I want to play varsity football from Columbus, Ohio. And, and uh, for those of you who don't know, Ohio football is, you know, one of the best as far as high school sports goes in, in the country. So I just wanted to play varsity. Now, being five foot, 95 pounds as a freshman, that was probably out of the, out of the question. So I didn't. I mean, I, pl- I played both ways on a freshman team and I think we won one game. So a cool experience. Right. I played freshman football, but but nothing to, to write home about. Um, I finally hit, uh, uh, my, I guess my major growth spurt going into my sophomore year. So my sophomore year, I was, I ended up being like five, seven, one thirty-five or so. So I like, that was my big growth spurt and I played a little bit of varsity, but, but, but mostly JV, but, but still like I was always athletic. I, I always had great hand-eye coordination for whatever reason, whether that's the martial arts or other things that I did. But like I could I I had a unique ability to catch the football, you know, a quick story about that. When I went to high school, I know I'm rewinding a little bit, but ninth grade, everybody wrote their name and what position they wanted to play on the on the paper. And I was I had moved from the city to the suburbs. So this is my first year. Nobody knows me. So I'm like, I'm about to play running back. Like I was like, I'm not playing receiver, playing running back. So I wrote running back. Right. So we get to the very first day of practice and we're doing all these running back drills and they're putting basically all the skill guys through all the drills. Right. And I'm not saying I stood out or anything, but I played quarterback the year before and I had done a lot of ball handling drills with the running backs. I was like, I could play running back. So we did all these drills. Then they said, "Okay, everybody go out wide. We're going to see, you know, who's who's going to be our receivers. And we all ran slants. And there's probably, you know, it's freshman football. So there's probably like 15 or 16 of us. Every single person dropped the slant but me. They said, okay, you're our star wide receiver. So I was like, all right, well, <laughs> so much for the dream. So much for the dream of playing running back. You know, okay, I guess I'm a wide receiver. I can, I can play wide receiver. So fast forward to my junior year, starting on varsity. And, and we have a all-state running back that's going to Ohio State. And he's like a, you know, a top whatever recruit in the country. So I kind of figured I wasn't going to catch a ton of balls because he was going to be the guy that was getting the rock most of the time. But I realized that because of this dude, there's going to be a lot of eyes on our team. So there's going to be a lot of college coaches 
and people coming to recruit him that are by turn going to get a chance to see me and my teammates and, you know, obviously the team that we're playing against. So I made sure that whenever I got those opportunities, I, I was making the most of those opportunities. So I played both ways. I played corner and then receiver my junior year. And then my senior year, I switched over and played safety. Luckily for me, I got a little bit of accolades uh, my junior year as far as like all conference and all district goes, but it wasn't like I wasn't doing anything crazy. You know, I just felt like I was a really good player on a team that was decent. Then my senior year, we had a transfer quarterback come in. He was a two-time All-State quarterback already, and then he was the cousin of our head coach. Um, that's, you know, that's how we made it legal, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> Nepotism. <laughs> Hey man, I mean, like he came, he came in and he was in like a, a Catholic school and they're like first cousins. They share the same name and everything. So it's like, it was real easy for him to be able to come in and, you know, play at a higher level with players that I think are, you know, we were better than the guys he was playing with. And I ended up st- setting like four or five state records and first team all state, li- literally first team all everything. Honorable mention, all American in a couple magazines, but for whatever reason, I, I obviously I know the reason, but for whatever reason, I was I wasn't highly recruited. Still smaller, I think I was you know five nine, one fifty five or so. Um, still a small ish receiver, but good enough to set records and to be first team all state in the state of Ohio. You know the the size thing was was kind of hovering over me. And, you know, it hurt being a Columbus, Ohio kid in Ohio State, basically saying like, nah, we're good. You know, that that kind of upset me a little bit. But I I feel like I had enough understanding to know, like, they can't give everybody a scholarship. You know, it's it's they can't give all the great players like all the first team Ohio players didn't get scholarship offers. So, you know, it is it is what it is. I kind of made my mind up. I'm gonna go play here anyway. They're going to eventually give me a scholarship because I'm going to show them every single day that I'm not only worthy of a scholarship, but I need to be out there playing. So that was the plan because I had no scholarship offers, even after all the things that I'd done, all-star games. I mean, you name it. And about two or three weeks before I graduated, Akron called me on a Tuesday, offered me a scholarship. That next day, Wednesday, Eastern Michigan called me, offered me a scholarship. And then that Thursday, Toledo called me. And offer me a scholarship. And the thing I remember about the Toledo call was the coach said, uh, what are you doing this weekend? And I'm kind of like, he's like, OK, you're coming to Toledo. And I was like, all right, you know, I'll, co- I'll come on my visit this weekend and then I'm going to work on setting up the other two school visits so I can you know, make sure that I'm making the best decision for myself. Went to that visit and all the things that they kind of had going on at Toledo were, were of interest to me. Right. They had just come off a 10 and 2 season. They had uh, gone to Happy Valley and beat Penn State in Penn State that season. They were returning basically like. 90% of their production offensively and defensively from the year before. So I'm thinking like, okay, this team could go and win the Mac conference and go play in a bowl game. And like, you know, looking at their schedule, they played Minnesota. Like it, it like there was things that interested me. They had just transitioned over from Reebok to Nike. They had just hired a new offensive coordinator who was known for uh, throwing the football all over the place at Louisiana Tech the previous years before with Luke McCown and those guys. So like there's all these things that were positive about it. And it just felt it felt comfortable. It felt good there. And it was only a two hour drive from home. So it wasn't like I was, you know, flying across the country to go to this unknown place. I wasn't very familiar with the city of Toledo. I had been there before, but it wasn't like I was spending a lot of time there. But 
Um, it just felt right. I came home from that visit. Coach was calling me. When are you gonna? When are you gonna commit? When are you? Gonna, and I said, Hey, man, I'm gonna go on my visit to Akron next weekend, and then you know we'll be in touch. I went to my visit in Akron, and I was just sitting in the stadium. You know, we're doing some things with the coaches, and I was like, It just doesn't, it didn't feel the same. I didn't have, and this was like the literally like I had just gotten to Akron. It wasn't like I was there the whole weekend, and I had this kind of epiphany. Like I, I the from the beginning moments of being there, I, I just it just didn't really feel right. On the way back from that visit, I called the Toledo coach and said, hey, I'm, I'm committing Toledo. I'm not going to take my visit to Eastern Michigan. I didn't want to go to Eastern Michigan anyway. Yeah, I was um, like, you ain't going to go to Eastern Michigan and check that out? No, nah, no. Nah, I mean, especially especially not back then. I mean, they were they were prob- probably, I mean, definitely in my career, they were the worst team, at least in the MAC West, the entire time. So yeah. I was like, I'm, not, I'm not trying to go there. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, so I ended up at Toledo and and – you know, easy enough for my family to be able to drive up two hours for the games. And, you know, I went to Toledo and my college quarterback or my high school quarterback, the guy that was two time all state when he got there and then was first team all state again. So three team, three time all state was like, I'm going to go walk on to Toledo. I'm going to end up being the quarterback there. I was like, cool, bet. Come on. Like, you know, this would be great for us to have each other there anyway, you know, because we don't know anybody. After the first day of practice freshman camp, he didn't get any reps and he was like, I'm good, bro. I'm going back home. And I was like, huh? He's like, yeah, I, I just, you know, I don't, they didn't give me any reps. I said, I said, rock, like you got to earn these reps. Like you are the lowest guy on the totem pole here. It doesn't matter what three time all state or not. You didn't get a scholarship. They didn't they, like, they basically brought you here as a favor because I wanted you to be here with me. You know, not to say that I had any kind of pull like that, but they're like, yeah, we'll bring your quarterback too. I mean, there's nothing in it for them. They didn't have to pay for anything. You know what I mean? And so he ended up leaving. And so with him leaving, I lost my roommate. I lost the only guy that I knew. And like this feeling of loneliness kind of got to me. But what I did was I would literally come back from practice or meetings or walkthroughs or whatever it was. I would lock myself in my room and I'll be in that book. Like that playbook was like my gospel. Like from from the first day he left, I was like, I'm just going to teach myself this offense. We would get into offensive meetings and the receiver coach would be installing whatever the plays are. And I would already know. I wouldn't just know my position. I would know all the positions. I would know the positions. I would know the quarterback's progressions. I would know the side adjustments just because I didn't have any friends. Like like at that point, it was just like, well, I'm here to work. I'm going to go ahead and put this time in. And I, I honestly, I feel like it was kind of a gift and a curse, a gift because I proved not only could I handle it mentally, but I, I did it on the field when they called upon me. They could put me in this position or that position. I was able to step up and make plays and do my thing. But then it's a curse because we had a couple of guys. I had like three or four. Or there's five juniors and seniors basically in front of me. I was the sixth receiver. So I was like, man, I'm not going to play like they're going to redshirt me like this is this is perfect. I'll redshirt. I'll be ready next year. Man, we had two or three guys go down in the second game. They threw me in the fire. And back then you lose your redshirt the moment you step on that field. So I go on that season and I had six catches. So I go from my senior season. I had one hundred and three catches to my freshman year in college. I had six. And when I tell you I was sick, I was like. I wanted to leave. I was like, man, forget these people, man. Like they, what they brought me here for six catches. I can go anywhere else in the country and make six catches in a single game, but they're going to have, you know, so I was, I was mad. 
But for whatever reason, I kind of hung in there, had a had a better sophomore year. Still wasn't starting because we still had, you know, three juniors, which were going to be seniors that were ahead of me, but had a better year, more catches, more yards, more touchdowns. And I could kind of see a path to where, you know, if I handled my business, because obviously we know playing college football, they're bringing new guys in every year. So it's not a guarantee that you're going to be the guy the next year. Um, but I, I knew that if I handled my business, that that I would have an opportunity to not only start the next year, but have a, a pretty good or, or great year. Um, and, and that's exactly what I did. I, I stayed in the lab all summer um, and, and made sure that, OK, once my time comes to be starting, like I'm, I'm going to ball out. And I ended up leading the country in catches that year. I had 103 catches in, in what year was that? 2003 to lead Division One in, in catches, you know, and I was first team all league and all these things. And then the, the the reality starts to set in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Man, this dude could, you know, you, you maybe I could play in the NFL. Like this, this is a real possibility. Um, and and you know, the question kind of arose: like, are are you going to go out early? Like, you know, this you just led the country. You were a junior, um, and I thought about it. Like, I was like, man, I'm. Uh, this might not happen next year, you know, but but there were still things that I wanted to do in college that I wasn't able to do yet. Like we hadn't won. We won a MAC championship my freshman year, but I wasn't a big contributor in, in that run. Yeah, you have six catches. Six catches. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, I, I, like, I want to be able to do it and like, have you know, leave my mark on it. And, you know, and, and, and I the guys that I came in with were all kind of starting to play more too. And I was like, dang, I really want to like enjoy success with these guys that I came in with. And so I decided to go back to school and, you know, the, the hype and the buzz around our team was there because we were, we were good the year before and we had all these guys returning and, you know, there was excitement there. And that, you know, I, I still was of the same mindset, like, you know, stay in the lab, keep working, like don't ever be satisfied. That's something that I've kind of always lived by because that satisf- satisfaction will, will lend you to laziness and and not doing the things that you you should be doing to improve yourself. Um, and so I uh, had another great year. I mean, I, I, I don't I did not lead the country in catches that year, but I was, you know, all conference and, and honorable mention, all American and academic, all American, all these accolades. And I I got uh, invited to two all star games and then the fourth quarter of the bowl game my senior year I end up getting swung around on a play fall on my elbow dislocate my shoulder tear my labrum um so it's like here we are we're right back like okay I was I was under recruited no scholarship offer late scholarship offer now here I am getting ready to come out to the NFL and I have to have shoulder surgery. I can't compete at the combine. I can't play in these all-star games. So there's no way for these scouts to, to see me next to the guys from the big schools and be like, man, this dude can play. Like, I don't care where he came from. He could ball. So that was uh, a, a little bit of a setback physically, obviously, but mentally too. Cause I was like, man, like I'm gonna have to go through surgery, the rehab process, 
and then preparing for a pro day that was only a few months away, knowing that I'm not 100 percent. How did you focus on that mentally? Knowing, I mean, I know, you know your, your father was in, in the martial arts, so that that leans to you having that kind of thought process. But you coming up being you know, five foot nothing, 100 nothing going into high school and continuously having that progression. And then you get to this pinnacle of where, OK, I have an opportunity to do something that I never thought I would be able to do. But then you get injured right before the big opportunity happened. So you were talking about mentally how that affected you. So what was that kind of process like? Well, in the beginning, it was awful. I mean, I, I'd like, there was, there was definitely moments where I thought like, man, I might not end up getting an opportunity to play in the NFL, you know, cause when it happens, I don't know if you guys have ever dislocated a shoulder, but it feels like your, it feels like your arm is literally had fallen off. Like, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and obviously the pain is excruciating and you're, 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 you're almost in a, a helpless state. And so in, in that moment, and then the moments that ensued, it was kind of like, dang, am I ever going to be able to play football again? Like, it, like it really crossed my mind a little bit. Uh, but after seeing a doctor and a surgeon and having my surgery and starting the rehab process, it was like, okay, just, just get healthy. And then we can worry about the rest, you know, from there. It, it wasn't a matter of, whether I thought I would have the skill. I mean, I, I, I knew I had the skill. It's just a matter of tapping back into it physically once I was able to. But it, yeah, I mean, I, I think long before I ever heard the phrase control what you could control, I lived that. Like, you know, you drive yourself crazy worrying about the things that you can't control. And I feel like for whatever reason, naturally, I was really good at that. Well, I can't control the fact that this shoulder, that my labrum is torn, but I can't control how I'm going to respond to having the surgery and doing the rehab and making sure that I'm training the right way when it comes time for me to get in front of those scouts. Just, I, I don't know. I mean, I like, honestly, I like, I wish I had like a perfect answer of, you know, the things that I did or, or, you know, my thought process then other than control what you can control. But that was, that was really it, you know, I knew that I had the skill. It's just a matter of having the opportunity. And and once I was able to get healthy enough, I was like, I got to put enough on film or on tape at this pro day that some team is going to take a chance on me because my agent and I had a great conversation about it. He was like, look, man, the reality is we might not get drafted. That's just where we are. And it's not because you can't play. It's not because none of these teams think you can play. It's because you're a small school guy, you're injured, and you're not going to be able to show them exactly what you can do on that pro day. Like you're going to be able to show them some, but it's not going to be your best effort because you will you won't have trained for four months like all these other guys have. You'll have about a five or six week period that you're basically trying to put everything in to get ready. What was your um, second week coming coming out of uh, college? So uh, I think I'm, I think I weighed at the combine. I was like five, nine and seven eights, which why they wouldn't just give me five, 10 is still beyond me. But I weighed, a, I weighed 177 pounds. I, I, and I, and I, I hadn't lifted weights for nine weeks at this point or something like that, maybe even longer, 12 weeks. Um, so I lost, you know, 10, 12 pounds of muscle. So when, you know, you walk out, in, in front of all the GMs and the scouts in your underwear, they were probably like, who is this little kid up here? And why is he here? Like, that's because that's how that's how I felt. Like, I just felt like I just felt like a shell of myself. I, I was already a little dude to begin with. But the fact that I couldn't go up there with, you know, with any bulk on me was probably something that they looked at. Like, eh, I don't know about this guy. 
Um, Whereas I think fast forward now, here we are almost 20 years later, I think times have changed. I, I think the looking at a smaller guy isn't quite as big of a deal as it was back then. Whereas, you know, they, they really were looking for the prototypical 6'2", 6'3", receiver, 200 plus, 4'3", 4'4", like that. Those are the things that you look for. Whereas now you see a bunch of small receivers out there making plays, balling out. And, and I, I think that's a great uh, a thing for the National Football League. Obviously, it gives opportunity for to, to more guys, but it also shows young people, kids that, that have that dream that, hey, I don't have to be. Megatron size to, to be able to go out there and play wide receiver in the NFL. So yeah. one, I want to back it up, but before I do that, I wanted to ask you what year was the combine? Did you go to the combine? 2004, 2000. No, no, let's take that back. It was the 2005 combine. Cause it was my senior year was the 2004 season. Okay. All right, man. That, at least you got invited to the combine. You know, that's the thing. Everybody doesn't get invited to, right. to the combine. So, uh, the fact that you were able to get invited there puts you in a different uh, atmosphere, room with other people, man. So that speaks about your greatness and what you put put out on the field. So your 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 input definitely resulted in your output. So, you know, congratulations on that. I just want to say that. Hey, Lance was talking about his his uh, his path. My son had like a similar path. He was on like five zero five foot. 85 pounds with as a freshman and just kind of got a little bit bigger and started making more plays in high school. Now he's playing in college, but the same kind of path is like, okay, like you shouldn't even be on the field as small as you are, but then you <laughs> make the plays and get the opportunity. So I love it. Yeah. Hey, so I'm, I'm, I want to back it up a little bit because th- there was a lot of things that you unfolded and I'm, I'm, I want to talk about uh, you going through all this adversity. I'm not sure how close you are with your family, but you said you had a father that instilled discipline in you and he was there. You know, you had your support group and you have a brother as well. What was that relationship like when you were at school and you don't have any friends, but you're constantly in your in your playbook? How often did you talk to your parents? How much support did they give to you? Were they constantly talking to you, you know, speaking positivity, speaking life into you like Deion Sanders does for his players? You know, <laughs> where, where did you get that emotional support from? Honestly, I, I, I mean, it, it, this might surprise you, but I didn't really grow up in a place where there was a lot of talk about any kind of emotions. My, my father was was kind of uh, in and out a little bit uh, in my youth. Um, so I was closer to my mom. And so she dealt with a whole lot when we were young. And it's taken me, you know, I'm 40 now. It's taken me 40 years basically to finally come to terms with the, the not- totally understanding how to emote, how to feel feelings, how to communicate feelings. And it's taken a lot of work to get to the place that I'm at today. And, and looking back at the, the, the college me, the one that used to lock himself in his room and, and distract with the way that I was feeling internally by uh, getting in the book, it's, it's really sad to think about that. Like I, I, a lot of guys are like, man, that was awesome that you did that. Well, sure. It was awesome because it, it showed the coaches that I could play, but it, internally, I feel like it was bad for me. You know, I didn't open up to people. I didn't really know how to not necessarily know how to feel, but I didn't know how to analyze those feelings. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was, a, a I've, I've always found a strange way to deal with my feelings. And, and most of them is just to kind of, most of the time, just kind of stuff them and, and distract myself with other things, tasks 
um, jobs, whatever it may be. Um, so I didn't really have anybody to, to lean on emotionally. I mean, sure, my mom would check up on me and everything, but it, it was, you know, the more simple, how you doing, babe? You know, is everything okay? Do you need anything? It, it, it Not necessarily like, how are you dealing with the fact that your boy just left you here by yourself? You know what I mean? Like we just, how, to, how to process your feelings. Yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, I don't, I don't have any ill will or hard feelings toward my mom. Like my mom did everything that she could for my younger brother and I, like she was, she was mom and dad and then some for most of my youth. So I've, I've got all the love in the world for her, but I just, I just realized as I've gotten older and, and, you know, married myself and children, you know, that it, that there are things that I had not addressed (laughs) from not just my, my childhood, but, but my adulthood as well. So being able to to finally get the the proper help that I've needed and and to be able to dive deep into who I am and why I am the way that I am you know I guess the 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 phrase better late than never is definitely a, a true phrase for me yeah unfortunately a lot of us from back in the day growing up those kind of households didn't have that emotional intelligence or the communication and uh, you know the good thing about it is as we grow, life is changing. It took me about 40 years to, to start getting some sense of understanding about not pushing things down, being able to have a conversation, not being embarrassed about what I was feeling at the point in time and learning how that press just, he just showed me how to meditate now. So <laughs> figuring things out, like you said, better late than never. Yeah, man. So, so now we, we are in the NFL or oh, well, actually the combine. So now we're getting ready for the NFL. So what happened? Your agent, you and your agent, y'all spoke and what, what transpired from there? Did you get drafted? How did that process take place? Yeah. So we had, I had my pro day in April. The draft was a few weeks later and you know, he's just like, good job. We just kind of have to wait and see, you know, cause there is, there really is no sure thing specifically because of the injury. You know, because we were feeling good going into the bowl week. He's like, man, just do your thing in the bowl game. Like, then we're going to get you ready. We're going to train. And, you know, who knows what would have happened at that point. But so don't end up getting drafted. I had a couple teams call me during the draft and, you know, just nothing materializes right after the draft. He's like, all right, I'm on the horn with Cincinnati. I'm on the horn with Cleveland. I'm on the horn with Buffalo and Kansas City. We had a couple conversations with each team. And he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, I think Cleveland. And he's like, I think Cleveland's a good spot for you, too. They didn't have a great amount of depth at receiver at that point, but they just had drafted Braylon Edwards in, in you know, my same draft. He was the third overall pick. But they they had some other guys, Antonio Bryant, Dennis Northcutt, Frisman Jackson. So they had some guys, uh, but I just felt like, you know, there there was opportunity there. Josh Cribbs was also a free rookie free agent with me in Cleveland. And so... Uh, go to Cleveland. I feel like I have a great offseason. I feel like I'm having a really good preseason. But for whatever reason, I'm not really playing very much in these preseason games. And so my agent's like, look, man, they might be trying to hide you a little bit. They want to you know, potentially put you on the practice squad. If they put you in too much in these games, you might do something that's going to make another team sign you, which for me is upsetting because I'm like, damn, I'm, I'm not trying to be on anybody's practice squad. Like I, I, if, if, if I can play, let me play and then we'll see what happens. If they want me around, then they'll keep me. So I think in three preseason games, I played a total of 11 plays, no special teams. They wouldn't let me return any punts or kicks. 
Um, and I had one catch for two yards. So that preseason was even better, than, even worse than my freshman year in college. So needless to say, the Turk came and got me after the third preseason game. And, and Romeo Cornell was the coach for the Browns at this time. And he's like, hey, man, we'd love for you to stick around. The goal is to sign you to our practice squad. And I said, I've got family in Cleveland. I'll be here for a day or so. But after that, I'll be in Columbus. It's two hours away. That's my hometown. Let me know if you need me back kind of thing. So I end up leaving, and I never heard from the Browns again. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So about, about three weeks later, now we're talking, you know, we're into September. I had a decision to make. Okay, am I going to stay home and train? Am I going to take up uh, the Toronto Argonauts of the CFL who had my draft rights at that time? Who was blo- The coaches were blowing my phone. Hey, we'd love to have you up here in Toronto. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kind of wait and see, you know, what's going on with the NFL before I make the decision to go up there. So I went back to school. I hadn't graduated yet. Talked to the coaches and the, the athletic department about what exactly I needed to do to get back on scholarship because I didn't have any money. Like I, I didn't grow up with money. I didn't have a job, clearly, because the NFL had let me or the Browns had let me go. So in order for me to be up there, I had to be back on scholarship to be able to pay some bills and, and make sure I had money to eat. This is before Toledo had training tables. We didn't have training tables back then. We couldn't just show up at the facility and have all of our meals covered. Like that just wasn't a thing, which it is now. And I'm happy for it. I'm glad that those guys get uh, what they deserve. And, and, you know, not to go on a tangent, but times have changed in, in, in a good way. So I go back to school. I'm helping coach. And I'm basically like in a non-graduated GA, basically. So I'm like not a coach. But I'm I'm still kind of on the staff and, and going back to school and doing my classes and stuff like that. And uh, we were playing out in uh, Fresno, a Tuesday night game, the 2005 season. And so we flew from Toledo to Fresno, California. And the moment we landed, uh, one of the coaches like ran over to me and he's like, hey, did you talk to your agent? I'm like, hmm? no, I just landed. What do you He's like, I got a voicemail from your mom. Call your mom. So I'm like, all right. So I call my mom. She's like, call Dave. So I'm like, all right. So I call Dave and he's like, hey, uh, you got a flight 6 a.m. tomorrow morning to San Antonio, Texas for uh, to, to sign to the practice squad of the Saints. Now, this is Hurricane Katrina year. It had just happened, you know, 15 days before I got the phone call. So the Saints were in San Antonio that season. So that next morning I flew to San Antonio with nothing but a backpack and my toiletry bag, and that's it. And and I get there, and, and Jim Hazlitt greets me at the Alamo Dome, and he's like, hey, man, you ready to play DB? And I was like, huh? <laughs> he's like, yeah, you're going to play corner on practice squad. And I was and I was still so confused. I'm like, okay. And he's like, he said, when you're on a practice squad, you do everything. And I was like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. Like, I think he was kind of testing me, like, like, you know, you're going to come in here, you're going to do something that you don't want to do. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'll do whatever, you know. And so which is what you have to do on practice squad. Like, sure, your position is wide receiver. But if they need an extra edge rusher on this field goal block, you go do it. 
if they need an extra returner, you go do it. If they need an extra quarterback for this period, you go do it. Like it's, that's just what you do. And so I got there and, and, you know, my mentality was I'm not going to let this opportunity get away from me. Not that I let the Cleveland one get away from me, but I just knew that this could potentially be the last opportunity. So every single day when I showed up to work, that was a game day for me. Like those practices, and you can talk to any of those old school guys from way back then, 2005 Saints, how was Lance Moore in practice? I guarantee you, to a man, they would say, man, that dude showed up every day and ate us up every single day. Because that was like, I'm going to show them. Like, I'm not going to let this slip away from me. I'm not going to take it for granted, not a single day. And I'm going to show that I'm different from all the other ones. You know, because I was replacing a practice squad guy. They weren't happy with this guy for whatever reason. And so I did. And, and, you know, 10 or 12 weeks later, I got activated because they needed a kick returner. And the first practice that week, that Wednesday, I pulled my hamstring. <laughs> so right before I'm right before I'm getting ready to get my shot, man, I'm out there. I'm, you know, I'm going crazy. I'm like, I'm about to be on, on this field on Sunday, pop my hammy and don't end up getting a chance to play during that regular season. But I, I saw them see that. This dude can play. Um, so that gave me even more confidence. And, and you know, after that season, we ended up, we finished three and 13. Jim Hazlitt and all those guys got fired. They they ended up uh, hiring Sean Payton, signing Drew Brees. Like the, the Saints, as we know them today, started to form. And the first thing that I heard from my agent from Sean Payton was, yeah, Sean Payton wants you to go to NFL Europe. I'm like, huh? NFL Europe? Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to go to NFL Europe. Like I want to be in New Orleans training with the team, learning the coaches, learning the, you know, the offensive plays and everything. And he's like, I can go back and tell them that you don't want to go. Or if you want to play for the Saints someday, you can just say, okay, and do what they want you to do. And I was like, you're right, man. Cold blooded. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I, so I ended up going to, to uh, Berlin so this is uh, this is uh, we had training camp in Tampa, February 2006. And then the very beginning of March, we flew to Germany, which if you've never been to Germany in March, it's cold, <laughs> like super cold. And, and that's coming from an Ohio kid. So, like, you know, it was cold over there if I'm complaining about how cold it is. But, you know, go over there the first couple of weeks of the season. I'm leading the league in receiving. And then I think the th- either the third or fourth week, I end up getting hurt again. Dislocate one of the joints in my thumb. They ship me back to Birmingham, and back then, uh, Birmingham was like the like the hub for NFL Europe injured players. And you'd have to stay in Berlin until you cleared your whatever your protocol was to go back to your team. Now, luckily, I was one of the guys that got injured over there, and they sent me back, and the team didn't cut me. Usually you get hurt over there and they send you back. The team is usually cutting those guys like, ah, we're good. He's hurt. He can't play. He didn't play the whole season over there. We're good. So I had a cast on my wrist and they, they had me going in there doing shoulder rehab every day. And so I called the trainer in New Orleans. I said, Scotty, I have a cast on my hand. They're putting ice on top of my cast and I'm doing shoulder rehab. And he's like, what? I said, yeah. I said, I'm not doing anything for my thumb. Like I'm not having surgery. I'm just in a cast. Why can't I do this in New Orleans? He's like, give me a few days. And, and sure enough, a few days later, he's like, here's your here's your flight info. We'll get you back over here. We'll get that cast off of you. We'll get you splinted up and we'll get you ready to go for, you know, the end of OTAs, which for me was like that was like a godsend. Like that was like the best thing that I could hear 
especially being in Birmingham, which ain't great. I didn't have a car. I didn't know anybody. You know, like you'd you'd hang out with the guys that were rehabbing there along with you, but there was like no there was no life associated with it. You'd show up to treatment, you go back to the hotel, you'd have lunch, you'd go back to treatment again, you go back to the hotel, you'd find some dinner, and that was pretty much that was life for every single day for those guys. And I mean, it wasn't like I knew anybody there. I'd never been to Birmingham before they sent me to Birmingham. So. Everybody want this football life to you actually got to go through the football stuff. Oh, man. And like, yeah, I mean, you 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 hear about the glory stuff, right? Oh, you want a Super Bowl or you two point conversion or you had a thousand yards and all these things. You play with Megatron and A.B. and Drew Brees and all these guys. Yeah, sure. I did that. But there was a lot of things that I went through to get to that point. You know, like it's it's. It's and I feel like, you know, NFL Europe was was important for me because I didn't play in a game the whole 2005 season. And even though I only played in three or four games in NFL Europe, I still think I put enough on tape for for the Saints to be like, OK, like we we we, we might have something here with this guy, even though they knew the scouts and the, and the personnel people knew from the year before what I did in practice. The coaches didn't. They weren't going back and watching practice film on me. They didn't have time to be watching practice film on some practice squad guy that they don't even know is going to be here. You know what I mean? So that meant that meant a lot for me to be able to do that. And then, you know, that led into the 2006 training camp, which I balled out, ended up making the team and then playing in, I think, four games that year before they cut me, put me back on the practice squad again. And, you know, at that point, it was it was a stressful time because I knew I deserved to play. I knew I was better. I felt like I was better than some of the guys that were playing, but for whatever reason, I wasn't getting that opportunity. But again, stay the course, keep working, worry about what you can control because you can't control the decisions that they're going to make. And then, you know, fast forward to 2007, I started in a bunch of games, 2007, then 2008, I had over 900 yards and 10 touchdowns. So it, it kind of like, Staying the course, staying positive and continuing to work and not ever being satisfied. I think that's, you know, obviously there's talent that's associated with playing in the NFL. I mean, Prince, you know that like you 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 got to be able to play. But there are there are plenty of other factors that that go along with not just being able to play, but but, you know, being able to play for a long time and, and have success in the National Football League. So, you know, I I, I still feel like the a lot of the lessons that I learned throughout my journey are, are, you know, lessons that I'm going to teach to my kids, but, but also, you know, young people that I come across in life in mentorship. I just got certified as an agent. Literally. I just got my results back on Friday. Um, So October 1st, I will be an, I will be, thank you. October 1st, I will be a practicing agent and contract negotiator for NFL players and I just I'm going to use my story as an example, you know, not a blueprint, obviously, because it's everybody's journey is different. But but an example as to you, you don't necessarily have to start out on third base uh, to, to have a successful, not just a su- successful NFL career, but a successful career in anything. You know, different people are going to have different paths and and that's OK. You know, it's it's what you're what you're going to do with the opportunity that you're given is what's going to separate you from the others that don't end up making it. And I feel like that was kind of, you know, the the mentality that I had. I knew that I could play. It's just a matter of getting the opportunity. And once I got the opportunity, making sure that I seized that opportunity 
not just when it came on that given Sunday, mm-hmm. but on that Tuesday, on the off day, that Wednesday in practice and Thursday and Friday. And what am I doing on Saturday to kind of get an edge on the guys that I'm playing against? And then Sunday, what am I doing on Sunday? That's a little bit different from the other guys. That's going to make me be a little bit more open to be able mm-hmm. to get the balls, you know, like I just always looking for some kind of an edge and, and thankfully it worked out for me to, to be able to play, you know, 11 years in the national football league and, and retire on my own terms, even though I wasn't really ready to retire, I, I did it on my own terms. Like the, the league didn't retire me. I retired from the league. Man, so what was that like? You, you know, for me, I, I didn't get a chance to retire on my own terms, man. I was forced to retire due to my, my, my track sheet. And it looked like on paper I was injury prone, but I wasn't. And But I was depressed. You know, I, the, the transition was difficult for me. But for you to leave on your own, own terms, what was that like? Were you stressed? Were you depressed? Um you know, did, did you distract yourself by doing other things to keep you to, to, to keep your morale high? Tell me, what was that like transitioning from well, the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think no matter how you retire, I think that is going to be an, a, a, a real like necessary part of the process. You've got to grieve something that you have loved basically your entire life. Whether you retire from it or it retires you, there is a a kind of a natural progression of melancholy, sadness, depression. And honestly, retiring the way that I did, I thought I was good. I was like, man, this is great. Like, I don't have to go get hit anymore. I don't have to get tackled anymore. I decided that I did not want to play football anymore. And I thought I was good, but then we got into the season, regular season, and I started to feel uneasy. I started to like watch games, and like my hands would be shaking. I'm like, "What the heck is going on?" And it's because I, I just, I missed it. Like I didn't know what to do without it, and it, and it's taking me. Shoot, I'm here. I am eight years, and I'm finally starting a new career because it's taken me this long trying different things, whether it's the media thing, the coaching, the scouting, all these different things to see what I really, really wanted to do. And that's the one thing that I kind of sort of regret is just not really having any kind of real plan as to what I was going to be doing or interested in doing when I retired from football. Like that, that's, and I feel like that could help young guys today being into things while they're still playing that are going to interest them when they're done playing. Not to say that they're not going to have that that little bit of, of stress or anxiety or, or melancholy because they miss football or they just don't know what to do with the rest of their lives because they probably still will have that grieving process. But having a little bit better idea, I think, for sure would help guys a lot. Oh, love it. Love it. And this has been a phenomenal story of resilience, persistence, and 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 just fighting for what you believe in, just staying the course. And so uh, we, we are honored to have you and hear your story today. Uh, very impressive. I mean, my, my Mac brother, I'm an American conference brother, you know what I'm saying? Yes, so sir. gotta, gotta go ahead and keep showing out like that. So then we normally end, end the show with, with the, what we call staying above the ropes and it's kind of extra words of wisdom. Uh, you know, anything that you, you just gave, gave a, uh, I'll drop the mic version right there. So, so Prince, you got anything else? <laughs> no, man. It's just, bro. Like, tell tell people where they can find you. Uh, congratulations on being a, a certified agent now. Like, just, now the fun starts. Right, exactly. Now the fun starts. You and Ray can talk more about that. We need to have another episode because we have so much more to unfold. 
you know, you got a beautiful family, beautiful wife, beautiful kids, man. So we want to give a shout out to them as well. But uh, I, I, me personally, I would say uh, tell people where they can find you. And if you have just a little words of wisdom that you want to drop on somebody, do it real quick. Yeah. Uh, all social media platforms. I'm at Lance Moore 16. I work with uh, the NBC affiliate in New Orleans, WDSU. So if you want to follow them, WDSU 6. I also work for Boot Crew Media in New Orleans. It's a digital media company I'm doing media this last season while I'm still while I'm starting to be a, a, an agent as well. And uh, any like, shoot, I guess a little quick piece of advice, something that I've been kind of leaning into a lot recently um, is, is talking about growth. Um, and don't ever be afraid of the discomfort that is associated with growth. Because mm. in order to grow, you've got to make yourself a little bit uncomfortable. Love it. Love it. I, I don't even have nothing to say after that. Man, <laughs> I, hey, hey, man, can you give a shout out to your Saints Nation? What, what, what yes. do you say? What Who that? Who that? <laughs> Who that? One and oh. One and oh. Who that? Who that? Hey. Hey, that's 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 all that we have for you today, folks. So anyway, <laughs> make sure that you tune in to our next episode. This is Ringside with Ray and Prince. We had Lance here, you know, giving us the game. So we want to say, like always, we out. Peace and power. You got to give a lot just to get what you need sometimes, y'all. If you're a working professional wondering what's next for your career, you've come to the right place. Whether you're looking for a promotion, growth, or a potential career transition, look no further. With over 30 years working in a variety of industries, I share my insider knowledge with those ready to get ahead on Career Advancement with Craig Ansell. Tune in to get your strategies for success. Tricast.